Hey, welcome. I'm glad that y'all are here. Uh, Pastor Robert allowed me this opportunity to speak to you guys today. It was funny, though. The first thing he asked me, though, was, what are you wearing? And I said, I don't know, some jeans and a t-shirt. He said, don't you wear those skinny jeans in here. And I said, I said Hazel's got that covered for me. I'm, I'll be all right. But uh, today, uh, I want to I speak to you about a, pas- uh, about a passage in Colossians. And so uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to Colossians 1, Verse 9, I want to give you some background real quick before uh, we start reading the passage. But Colossians uh, was written by Paul. And Paul, uh, I kind of feel like I relate to Paul a little bit. Maybe Paul and I might have some of the same characteristics in life. First off, I think Paul was really ADD. And if you see some, through some of his scripture, like, it just keeps going and going and going. And he, he's like, oh, I think about this. And then adds this and then adds this. And so in this passage we're about to read, uh, you kind of have to break it up to kind of understand exactly what he's trying to say. And so Paul and I kind of have the same thing. We just kind of think about stuff and say it off the top of our heads. And so uh, maybe Paul uh, is like that. He also is very encouraging. If you read a lot of Paul's scriptures, a lot of it is encouraging to the people of God, uh, trying to encourage you because we know what is in store for us in heaven. And so he kind of says that your life here should reflect our gift, our hope, which is in heaven. And so Paul and I kind of share this bond of encouragement uh, encouraging others. And so this passage today uh, should encourage you. I, my prayer is that it encourages all to live a life worthy here today on earth because we understand what's waiting for us in the future. And so in Colossians uh, 1 verses 9 through 12, what is happening is Paul uh, is writing to the church in Colossae and what he knows from one of his good friends, as the Bible tells us in the Verses before that is that one of his good friends, actually a minister, uh, has kind of told Paul that this church is understanding the gospel. They have grasped the love of Christ. They are living out. And so Paul kind of writes them uh, saying, you've done good, but let me write you a couple more things so you can do better. And I think that's one of the first things here that we need to recognize. I know that all of us probably live a good life, if you want to base it on the characteristics of the world. All right, we don't do a lot of things that bad people in the world do. So we might have a good life, but we come to church and we, we read about God and we try to understand his word so that we become better. And so that's kind of what Paul is kind of teaching to the church in Colossae. You're doing good so far, but I think you can do better. And so for me, as I was reading this, it, it kind of does the same for me as I, I'm doing good so far on earth, but God has called me and he's called you to do better, to, to live a better life, to share more, which is what the better life is, which we'll see in a little bit. And so anyway, Paul uses these five verses to encourage, to shape, to mold and to send out his people. And so let's read these real quick. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and start. And, and literally, this is going to be a Bible study. There is no gimmicks, no games, no fun stuff, if you will. It's literally a Bible study, dissecting the word of God, putting it into our lives. And hopefully at the end of it, we'll leave the church today ready to do something with these words. And so I'm going to read 9 through 12. It goes 9 through 14, but let's save the two verses uh, for a little bit later. And so verse 9 of chapter 1 of Colossians says this. For this reason, again, the for this reason is because Paul heard that they're doing good. So for this reason, uh, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have endurance and patience. Let's stop right there. I want to go back and start this 
at verse 9. Paul gives us four things. He actually prays. He's telling the church that he's praying for you guys for four specific things in life. And I don't have notes on the screen, and so these four things, you might have to listen if you're jotting them down. The first thing that he talks about is that he wants the people of Colossae, which we can stop talking about that. We can just say that he wants us, right? People who read the Bible, people who believe in Christ. Not necessarily just the church, but everybody who reads it. And so Paul wants us, first off, he prays to God that we be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, we go through life sometimes, and we want, a long way, I know for a fact, if you haven't yet, you might, and maybe at the end of us say this, we all wonder what our will, what God's will for our individual life is. What job do we got to do? What school do we go to in college? How, what do I do later on? But I think what Paul is talking about in this passage isn't necessarily our individual lives. I think when he says that he wants us to have the knowledge of God's will, What I think he's trying to get us to understand is what God wants for everybody's life. See, when we break down, when we read the Bible, when we understand what God's will is for everybody's life, when we start living that way, God then sends us the will for our individual lives. And so maybe in this passage, God is not saying, read this, pray, study scripture, and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do in life. But instead, what he's saying is, read this, understand the scripture, know what I want everybody who understands the grace that I've given you to do. And when you start working, when you start realizing, when we start acting on God's will, our individual lives will be shaped and our individual will that God has for our lives will start coming to our heads. You follow me so far? So God's will is for everybody. Within everybody's will, God places individual wills in our own life. And so how do we get this? How do we know what God's will is for everybody? Well, let's look at the scripture. The first thing he says is that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will through. So we got to understand that next part is how we do this through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So God basically says this, right? I want you to read and know reading scripture and pray. There's only two ways to really gain wisdom, to gain knowledge, to turn that into wisdom, spiritually speaking. First off is reading his word, which he gave us. The second thing is just being in constant prayer with him. And so when we read God's word, it changes the way we understand things, individual life things, work things, what we're supposed to do on a daily basis. Our heart starts to change. We start living out the Bible if we are serious and we start focusing on it. Uh, Many of you know I was able to work with the Spring Valley football team We've done it for the past couple of years. Lee's here. Lee, you look good, by the way. Lee's on the football team. And so every time uh, before the game, we got to feed them meal, a pregame meal. I got to give a devotion, a quick little five-minute devotion. But what I try to do in every single one of those, because I don't know their spiritual background, so what I try to do is, is share the importance of knowing God's Word. See, God's Word in our life isn't just a book that we pick up here and there. God's Word is a blueprint, is a, is a game plan, if you will, talking to the football team, for what our life should reflect. See, God gave us this book to know and to understand him. He didn't just give you the book and say, keep this on your shelf, and when you want to do a quiet time once a week or once a month, go pick it up and I'll talk to you. Instead, God gave us a plan, his plan, in the form of this book so that we can know and understand everything about him. God places certain characteristics of himself, certain characteristics of the way that we should live our life. All that is incorporated in the Bible. And so if we don't 
listen, if we don't dive into the Word, if we don't constantly read and, and meditate on Scripture and prayer, then our game plan, if you will, our blueprint for our life will never be given to us. See, sometimes we want, 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 and don't take the time to do. We don't work at understanding. We just want God to show us. And so Paul's saying in this, to know God's will, it takes work. And through the Scripture, through the Spirit, he will give us the wisdom and understanding to know his whole will. And within his whole will, as we work throughout what the Bible says, our individual will comes out. The next thing that, and it all kind of goes together if you kind of follow me as I'm reading, one thing leads off to another and it bounces off to the other. And so God wants you to understand his will. But then it says in verse 10, it says, you know, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and we pray this in order. So what he's saying is, once you get that part, once you understand how you need to read and understand the Bible, and through that you'll understand his will, in order for the next thing to happen. And the next thing that Paul prays for us is the big dub, right? The big dub. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about? No? That's okay. We're getting there. Is the big dub. And in verse 10, Paul lays it out very clearly uh, what the big dub is. He says all that in order that we, uh, in verse 10, and we do this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. See, that word worthy if you, if you understand the full uh, definition of the word worthy, it carries a lot of weight, whether we're talking about us to each other. But in this case, God is saying worthy of the Lord. And, and to me, that is kind of an, uh, an unreachable task. How do we live worthy of a perfect, holy, never sinful, always gracious God? How could we live up to the standards that God in his game plan for life gave us? And so when we see this term worthy, I think the first thing that comes to our mind is that it's a very tough thing to live up to. And it seems impossible because of the rules, if you will, that the Bible gives us. See, our default position as strugglers, as sinners, as people who believe in Christ but still can't go throughout Christ without sinning. So our our default position as strugglers is to simply believe that God is disappointed in us, that he's simply tolerating us here on earth. Because he lays out these things knowing that we probably won't be able to live up to this sinless life like Jesus did. But at the back end, he still calls us to be worthy of the Lord. And to me, that kind of seems like we have to live the perfect life. We can't ever sin again. Once we accept Christ, we have to move past our life and never sin again, be as perfect as we can. Therefore, we could be worthy before the Lord. And so that kind of puts a little thing on it. And how can we ever live up to what we're trying to do? See, we go through life trying to do the best we can. But because of the standards that God set for us, the rules, we continually fail. So how can we become worthy of the Lord? And I think Paul, uh, through all of his writing, kind of goes back to this one point. And simply wor- living worthy for what the Lord has called us to be, called you to do in your individual life and again as a whole. And so let me tell you today, I don't know where you're at, but let me tell you today that God does not regret saving you. God, if you're a believer in Christ, he doesn't regret saving you. If you're not a believer in Christ, God does not regret creating you. God set these rules, if you will, again, the things that we need to live by, not so we have something to complain about saying we can never live up to it. But God places game plan, these rules so that we can live within the boundaries of life. Sometimes we forget that God only wants what is best for me and he only wants what is best for you. If we don't remember, we celebrated a couple days ago 
that God sent his one and only son so that you and I could have a relationship with God. And so if God did all that, wouldn't he want the relationship with us? And wouldn't he only want what is good for what is for me and for you in our lives? But see, what we do is we try to live up to this worthiness, because to me and you, worthy means sinless, or to me at least. But God, God looks at it a different way. And, and again, the spirit obviously went through Paul and he's writing this. And look at the rest of verse 10, because this is this is where it comes to. Worthy, in a sense, means sinless. But Paul says, because we can never live up to that, look what Paul's definition of living a worthy life is. And it's on the back half of verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. This is how you please and live a worthy life, Paul says, by bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. See, we live a life that is bearing good fruit. See, that doesn't mean that we can go, that we don't have to not ever sin again. It doesn't mean that our worth becomes not ever sinning again or doing the best that we can. Our worth comes from the way that we read and understand the Bible and apply it in our lives. God doesn't expect us to be sinless people. What he expects us to do is understand the word, his will, by reading the word and applying it in our lives. Isn't that, isn't that a good thing if we think about it? We don't have to go through life worrying, am I good today? Did I do good enough today? Did I do enough things today that God would be pleasing for me? Did I do enough things to gain God's worth? But instead, God simply said, or Paul simply says, it's not about what you do and don't do. It's about you reading and understanding and applying it to your life. And when we do that, there's no doubt about it that God will bear fruit in our lives. And there's no doubt about it that we will start understanding and gaining knowledge and wisdom to again fulfill his will through the scriptures. And so when we produce fruit, when we bear fruit, we are understanding God's will and we are living the big dub. We're living a life worthy of the Lord. We don't serve a God who wants you to check off a box. We serve a God who wants you to grasp his will, which is to share the love of Christ to others and to grow in communion with others so we can live a life that is pleasing and holy to him. The first thing is growing in knowledge of the will. The second thing is simply living a life worthy of the Lord. But it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about understanding, grasping, and producing by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, another thing, too, is when we hear the word bearing fruit, you know, that's a very wide range of things that we need to do. Like, God doesn't simply say, you have to preach to a thousand people, that's how you bear fruit. God doesn't list these simple things that is bearing fruit. What God simply says is bear fruit in every good work. So whether that means preaching to thousands of people, that's what it is. Or what if that also means just feeding one hungry person or, or sharing the love of Christ with one person who needs it? See, bearing good fruit, there is no limitations, but there is also there, there's no low level. It's simply sharing and understanding. And whatever we do, whether it be work, school, playing football, playing a sport, playing band, going to help people, whatever we do, if we're doing it with the mindset of sharing the love of Christ, producing fruit, then we're understanding God's will for our lives. That's the first part that Paul talked about, knowing and understanding God's will. Well, if we understand what God's trying to say, then we are producing fruit. It goes along with each other. The next thing that Paul wants us to do is simply being strengthened with power according to his might. Let's look at verse 11. Again, this goes on, so I'm going to go back to verse verse 10 real quick. Uh, It says, bearing fruit in every good work 
growing in the knowledge of God. Real quick, isn't it funny how Paul says growing in the knowledge of Christ by reading the word, but then he comes back to it saying bearing good fruit and growing in the knowledge of Christ, meaning that it's not just reading and understanding, but it's also serving and understanding the knowledge of Christ. Have you ever been on a mission trip before? And I know that we took some students, uh, maybe not even a mission trip, but just serve people before. And you come back and you just, you just have this joy in your heart. It's, it's not a coincidence that God's shaping and molding you. What he's doing is in your serving, when you give your life, when you give your heart to a cause, whether it be overseas or right here in this hometown, when we give our heart to what God wants us to do and his will is serving others, God starts to mold and shape in a different way. And so we gain knowledge by reading scripture, but we also gain knowledge and we gain the love of Christ by serving other people. I think Paul wants us to understand that we can't just read, 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 and be filled with knowledge, but we have to read, 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 and then go work, 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 and then that knowledge becomes wisdom. As we gain knowledge through the scripture, our work throughout life is the wisdom that we've gained through the scripture, through the knowledge. You follow me so far? And so when we serve, God also teaches us. When we read, God also teaches us. And so Paul's trying to help you understand that one of the biggest things in our life is simply knowing who God is. In these five little verses, he takes two different times to help us understand that we must know the knowledge of God. And so if you don't ever gain anything else out of this message, just please understand that if we're not gaining in knowledge of Christ, then we simply will not have any idea what God's will for everybody is. And then there's no way to understand what God's will for our individual lives are. The importance of reading scripture is so that we can grow in our relationship with Christ while sharing the message of Christ with other people, which in return also helps us grow in our knowledge of Christ. And what's funny about this is, and this is actually taken from Jay Hardwick, we heard this back at Somersault, and we understand it because I'm not one who likes to read. Actually, my first uh, little New Year's resolution is to read a couple books this year. And so what I'm hoping is that this little thing that Jay kind of talked to us about in Somersault will come true. And it says that what starts as discipline ends as a delight. So if we continually read, if we kind of make ourselves read, because let's face it, sometimes we have to force ourselves to do things that we don't want to do. And so when we force ourselves to read, it might be discipline at first. But the more and more we do that, the more and more we grow in the knowledge of Christ, the more and more it becomes a delight. And so that discipline of forcing ourselves to read becomes a delight in the ability I get to now read of the knowledge of Christ. Same thing, too, uh, of, of anything you want to do. If you want to be dieting, if you want to be a good football player, if you want to be a good band person, if you want to swim great, it must be a discipline to train to work. And then eventually that discipline should turn into a delight as I get to do this. Uh, last year, uh, <laughs> Shelly was pregnant, right? Remember that? And uh, she, she didn't say these words, but you could just tell she was thinking them. At, at that time, I was like 60 to 70 pounds heavier than I am right now. And so she kind of just looked at me, and I knew that she was saying, get in shape because I want you to, to live a life and, understand, and be with our kid. Remember that? No, no, you don't. So anyway, she was saying, you know, you have to get in shape so that you can live a long life with me and with our son Levi and so that we can be happily ever after and have the fairy tale thing. Well, if you knew me a couple, about a year ago, you would know that the worst thing in the world is to have to exercise and diet, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if I could go, if I could get like a six pack by my abs working because of eating my cheeseburgers so much, that would be great. But God doesn't say, you know, you have to do what you want and then good things come out of it. What he says is discipline yourself 
And understand that as we work as a thing, as we discipline ourselves to do something we don't want to do, sometimes it shapes our life for the good. And so what I did was I just started running. I started at half a mile. This is true. Right? I'm not even kidding. After half a mile, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I literally would rather die. After half a mile. I'm not kidding you. Well, three months later, that half a mile turned into seven miles. And me being 240 pounds turned into me being 185 pounds. And it's not because I wanted to do it. But that discipline of me just going out and running and eating right turned into a delight. And now Shelly and I get to run with our son and we enjoy running. Now, I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but that's just an example of trying to understand that if we discipline ourselves in the beginning to read the Bible, students, you know, parents, senior adults, if we understand that we have to discipline ourselves to get close to God, he will then delight ourselves that we get to be close to God. What starts as a discipline ends as a delight. But see, Paul understands that that's not easy to do. If we understand Paul's life, we know a couple things about him. Again, that he's very ADD, that he's very passionate, that he's very encouraging. But we also see that Paul didn't live an easy life. Paul was in and out of jail. He was in and out of being beaten, letting go, uh, you know, being whatever he was. Paul, Paul had a very difficult life. And so if anybody understands struggles of life, it is Paul. And I don't think any of us really struggled the same way Paul did, but we all do have our individual struggles in life, and sometimes we feel like it might take us off track of what God wants us to do. And so Paul, understanding that, says this to the the church of Colossae. It's in verse 11, and it continues to go on. Uh, Growing in the knowledge of God, from verse 10, being 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And so Paul is continually going that we must understand God's will, Right? Then we must, so that we can walk a life worthy of the Lord, and, and then it says, being strengthened by the knowledge of God with all power according to his glorious might. In life, we deal with tough things. No matter what we think, God has not abandoned us in our difficult times. Sometimes we just, and I, I'm with you on this, I'm not, I'm not saying you, but we as, as people of God, through our difficult times, whatever they may be, whatever's going on in your life, sometimes we kind of feel like God is punishing us or, or God has left us alone or, or God just isn't coming close to us. We read and we can't feel God and we, we try to put the blame on what God is doing before understanding that God may be trying to do something huge in your life if you stop blaming and start understanding and so in a life, we deal with these tough things, but, but God has never abandoned us. He's always there with us. And if you think about that, that is, that is amazing. That, that's incredible that in our hypocrisy, in our sinful nature, God has taken the time to suffer with us. When we don't deserve for God to be with us, when we screw up in life, whether it be the cause of your issues or whether something in life went wrong, God hasn't abandoned us and he's there with us, even though that we, rightfully so, don't deserve him to be. See, in our ability to live out what he has called us, he lavishes his grace upon us in order that we may be strengthened by his power and by his might. Ephesians 1, 7 through 9 says it, says it pretty well. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which is set us forth. We have got to understand as people of God, our tough times are not meant to bring us down, but they are meant as a testimony in our lives of the power of God. 
The more and more we struggle, God is trying to teach us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to grow us in his ways, not our ways. And so when we go through these difficult times, whatever they may be, God is not punishing us. He's simply lifting us up, trying to build character among us. And how do I know that? Let's look at the rest of this verse in verse 11. He says that being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have endurance and patience. Life is tough. We understand that. But what Paul is trying to help us understand here and in the difficult times in life, God is trying to teach us endurance and patience. Patience. Not that we can push God aside and say, why are you doing this to me? But that we can grasp onto God and say, God, this life is tough. I need patience and I need endurance, Father, that you may help me get through these things. See, Paul's mind is set on the hope of Christ and that we will be with him in heaven one day. And so when Paul writes with uh, saying endurance and patience, what he's simply saying is go through this life being worthy by understanding and giving the scripture to other people. But when we go through these tough times, understand that there's something way greater for you out there. So have endurance and patience to push through these difficult times because the hope of Christ has already come. That's what we just celebrated in Christmas. And the hope of Christ will be there later. The hope of Christ is waiting for us. Heaven is waiting for us. So get through this life that isn't good with endurance and patience by sharing the love of Christ, by understanding His will, and simply living a life worthy of the Lord. The last and final thing that Paul gives us, and and to be honest with you, this is the reason why we have the whole Bible. This is the reason why we celebrate here in church. This is the reason why we just celebrate uh, Christmas. Paul's last and final plea of these verses to the church of Colossae is simply uh, this. If you want to read it with me, follow along. These are the ones that we haven't read. So he says, with great endurance and patience. And then he says this, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Who has qualified you. You know what that means? That means you don't qualify yourself to get to heaven. God has qualified you. That means in your strengths and in your failures, that means nothing. That means in your victories, whether they be awesome victories, whether it be, whether, whether it be winning a championship, or whether it be having a baby, whatever it is in your life that is joyful, that doesn't qualify you for inheritance in the kingdom of God. God qualifies you by sending his son to die, by us accepting the fact that God was sent his son, and all we have to do is believe. And when we believe these things, it restores the relationship that God and I once had, And it qualifies us to be able to stand before God one day. Look at it. It says it has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the kingdom of light. Verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. If you're struggling today with, with whatever it may be, maybe you haven't quite accepted Christ yet. Maybe you have, and it's just difficult to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Let me tell you something. It's not what we do. It's not what I do. It's not what you do. It's not how good you can be. And to be honest with you, it's not how bad that we are. It's simply understanding that Jesus was sent so that you and I could have a relationship with God. And our belief in that is what qualifies us to have the hope in the future of heaven. That's not what we do and what we don't do. It's simply understanding that God is the only one who can qualify us. 
And so in your life today, I simply ask you, are you living a life worthy of the Lord? Are you living the big dub? Are you understanding God's will for your life? Are you, are you in the Bible? Are you diving in constantly? Not once or twice, but are you living within the word? Are you, uh, are you reading the word and are you living it out in your daily lives? God is ready to bless. And, and let's not, I don't, I don't want to put anything on this. God doesn't bless us with all these gifts and all this money. God blesses us simply by giving us his word. God blesses us simply by giving us another day to live. God blesses us with opportunities to share his love with other people. And so when we read and understand his will, our individual will comes out. And that is simply this, to live a life worthy of the Lord by gaining knowledge, by sharing knowledge, and understanding that God sent his one son from you and I to have a relationship with him. And so in this new year, we just got in with Christmas, in this new year, that is my prayer for us, that's my prayer for me, my family, and that's my prayer for this church. That we wouldn't so much be selfish in saying, what am I going to do in this new year for me? But it's saying, what am I going to do to make sure I'm living a life worthy of the Lord? What am I going to do to make sure that I'm living a, a life that proves that Jesus came to save us? What am I doing to share the love of Christ with other people? Not necessarily what am I doing for me, but what am I doing for others? See, Paul's, all of his scripture combined kind of points back to this one thing, like I said, the big dub. Living a life worthy. See, if we fully understand God's will, then we fully understand that living a worthy life is understanding that we are blessed, that we are lavishly graced, given grace through his son, Jesus. And so in this new year, my, my prayer is very simple for us, is that we understand that Jesus really did come, that, that Jesus really did restore the relationship between God and us. And not that we just hear this and continually hear it one week and out, and it goes in the air and out, but that we understand that, that we fully grasp what that means. It means that we don't have to go through life anymore worried about our sins and about our failures, but we can now have victory in Christ, that we can be strengthened by his power to get through our daily issues in life, and we can continually grow as we share and understand the love of God. And so in this next year, that's my prayer for us. Let's understand the grace that we are given through, son, through his son, Jesus. And let's use that. Let's live that out. Let's share that with other people, whether it be students or adults, whether it be coworkers or students, whether it be teammates or whatever it may be. Let's live out the life that, called, that God calls us to do. Let's live a worthy life of the Lord by understanding the grace that we are given and living it out on a daily life. God calls us not to be just people sitting in a pew. God calls us to be people who are outside the walls of the church, bringing people inside the walls of the church, sharing his love, preaching the message of Christ, if that may be what it be, or serving others, not for our personal gain, but for the, for the growth of our knowledge of God, but also for the growth of the people that we are serving. We have a big task ahead of us, but God, as he promised, will give us the strength and power to do it. So are you relying on yourself or are you relying on an almighty God who calls you to be worthy of him? And it's not about what we do and what we don't do. It's about understanding the knowledge of God and living it out on a daily basis. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to come before you. We're grateful that you gave us these words. Father, we're grateful that you call us to be something more than just casual Christians. But Father, you call us to be someone who is worthy of the price that you have paid. That is someone who is worthy of the grace that you have given us. And so, Father, I pray today that 
as we leave this building, that these words of encouragement that you have given us, Father, stick with us. Father, I pray that as you give us these words to read your Bible, Father, that we, that we won't forget that your words are you. And Father, as we continually read, you continually help us grow towards you. And so, Father, I pray that you'll be with us now, be with us in this new year. Father, allow us to be worthy of you by living, by growing, and by sharing your love. We thank you for the grace that you've given us, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen.